Welcome to Empirical Peapod. I'm your host, Tim Day. Thank you so much for being here with me. I don't want to futz about, so let's get into today's show. Is this the intro music part? No. Are we pausing? There's no for, intro music. Intro like music? That would be on a separate track that would be plugged into it. <laughs> it's the recording that was just, that was the intro, you being like, is this, is this the, the intro? intro part? <laughs> So anyways, yeah, uh, I'm here with my absolute uh, close friend, uh, Katie Leezer. Said it correctly. Literally just learned an hour ago how to say it. It's not leisure. Nope, it is not. (laughs) Uh, Katie, how are you? I'm doing swell. How are you? Good, actually. I was worried it was going to be really hot in your house because you're a gorgeous gorgeous skinny lady. I just... uh, (laughs) You just turned the heat up, didn't you? Oh, it's coming back on. It heard you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Good, good. Uh, So tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, What is there to say? I don't know. I uh, am about to be 44. I was born and raised in Oswego. Uh, back here after a couple years in Chicago and then a couple years in Iowa and happy to be back like you know this is home nice what brought you to Chicago I don't know I think I just was really wanting something different first of all like I have a secret because we used to live together so I knew mm. that you would always Wanted to live in Did Chicago. Because I? I don't remember. You had that. mentioned it once uh, when we lived together that oh, it'd be so. Because there was a time I was I interviewed to work in downtown. Oh. And you're like, oh, I would love to live in Chicago for a spell. And I was like, I don't you remember should. saying that at all. <laughs> Luckily, I can remember your life. But, yes. But please, go but on. I couldn't. Which is <laughs> that's coming. That's the topic here as to why. Um, but no, I. Well, growing up here in Oswego, like it was pretty rural when we were little kids. I mean, it was just like cornfields. And the only exposure I had to Chicago was my dad would take us in for a Cubs game, like very occasionally, like just super random. And um, and I was always just petrified because I have a very poor sense of direction. I'm very visual. And so like going anywhere that I wasn't super familiar with was just like not gonna happen right and so even in high school like I didn't have friends that went into the city for any reason or even left like this area for any reason so I felt like this is really a waste to live this close to you know like what the third largest city in the country and not know anything about it like where anything is and um so that was part of it but also i think i was just at a point where things were changing like within my friendships like a lot of people were getting married and um starting families and i think i just felt like a little out of place like i don't feel like i fit anywhere and so maybe this is a sign to go somewhere else and try to like meet some new people and have some new experiences and you know rather than just like sitting around stewing about how things are changing and and i don't like that like go do something you know proactive right? yeah that makes sense uh how long did you stay in the city 
So I moved there in 2016 and then I left in 2020. So, so it was four, four years. years. Yeah. Did you make any new friendships that you still have today? Just because I'm always curious, like at our age in general, uh, about making friends and like trying to maintain them. Yeah, not close friends. Yeah. Like I, I met only a handful, a handful of people. Um, just because I feel like my life was so dominated by work. Mm -hmm. um, I worked as a nanny and it's a lot of long hours. And then I went back to school for medical coding, which I was doing online, but I had no time. You know, I was working in the summers, like 12 hour days. And then on the weekends I was studying. So I just, I didn't have time really to have a social life, which was yeah. fine because I figured out my next step career-wise and it was like, okay, I need to, this is the most important thing. Like, this is the priority. So, um, no, like, it's kind of sad that sort of my, like, one of the main drivers of, like, wanting to go somewhere new, like, I didn't really, didn't, that didn't really. Pan out. Yeah. That makes sense. So after you left Chicago, you ended up in Iowa. Correct. Which is ju just the juxtaposition <laughs> is hilarious. Of just being like, I grew up in small farm town. Let me go to the big city. Big city to Iowa, yeah. which is even smaller than small town where you, you started in. Yes. How did you end up in Iowa? So my grandma, who I loved very dearly and was very close with my entire life, um, I feel like she's one of my, we had like some karmic connection. Like there was definitely some soul connection between she and I. Um, I'm sure from the moment that I was born, I just loved her so much. Um, she and my grandpa had moved out to Iowa in the late 80s and I would always go out and visit them. And um, my grandma, told us all in January of 2020 that she had been diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and which was devastating like yeah. it was just it was it was horrible to get that news and so you know there was some scrambling with the family members of like you know how are we going to help her you know because she I don't think she wanted to do chemo, but she was sort of like strong-armed into it because right. she had a, a pretty large tumor in her abdomen yeah. and it had to be dealt with. There's one of those things too, like there's almost a stigma from medical and even from family, like you you're gonna to. do this. You're you gonna to. beat this. You, right, even though, even you could be like, ah, I'm really done, like yeah, I don't wanna do that. I've had a great that. life, yeah. like I feel good, but they kind of put it on you. And that was how my grandpa chose because he had pancreatic cancer and after that was diagnosed, he declined chemo. Um, and I, I don't remember a whole lot about how that went for him, but I, I did watch him, you know, sort of waste away and that was very hard. So um, with my grandma, you know, like I said, the family's kind of trying to figure out like, how are we gonna support her? And um, I think it was, people were sort of at a loss of like what are we going to do and I decided you know I can step away from my life 
I'm not in a serious relationship. I'm not married. I don't have kids. I am in the process of trying to change careers anyway. So it makes the most sense for me to be the one to, you know, just support her as much as she supported me, you know, to even try anything I could do. Like I felt I needed to do it. Um, So I decided that I would move there. And if it meant, you know, being out there for the next 20 years of my life, like that was, I was prepared to do that. Um, so I went out and unfortunately she was not doing so well when I got there. Um, she had had a a port put in because it's easier, you know, if you're, if you're undergoing chemo or something where you're just getting a lot of infusions, um, rather than accessing like your peripheral veins, it's just, it's just easier for them to have this port in. Yeah. So, um, that had gotten infected and so i was only there a couple days when she turned septic um which was terrifying because i was alone with her in the house and had no idea what was happening right um so she turned septic uh went to the hospital my uncle came and got her and um they were able to clear up the sepsis but the kicker was that she had a faulty valve in her heart And the doctors knew this prior to her getting the port placed and starting chemo, but it was like, we have to prioritize. Like one of these things has to be addressed first and it's gonna be the cancer. So we're gonna put that off. Well, this infection was basically hiding out in that valve and there was no way to get to it with antibiotics. The only option would have been open heart surgery. replacement of the valve. So she was not a candidate for, um, what do they call it when they go in through the vein or the artery rather than accessing the heart directly? I I don't know. You're staring at me like I would know. (laughs) And I love that, but uh, I have no idea about Regardless, there are ways of doing heart (laughs) surgery that's not open. Yeah, yeah. It's less invasive, but she was not going to be a candidate for that. And she just said, no, I'm done. Um, I had exactly four hours to wrap my mind around the fact that she was coming home to die and that I was going to have to help her through that transition. Um, I think I sat in a chair and didn't move the full four hours. And what finally clicked for me was like, this isn't about you anymore. Sure. This is her. Yeah. You're going to do whatever she needs. You're going to get her to the finish line and you just have to do it. Cause I wanted to, I wanted to run away. You know, I wanted to just get out of there. I was pissed. Like this isn't what I came to, here to do. Yeah. Well, right. You come to take care of your grandma. Help her live. And it's been literally only a day or two. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oh, <laughs> P.S. Your plans? Eh, fuck yourself. <laughs> yep. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, she came home and. Um, I didn't know how I was going to feel when I saw her, but as soon as she walked through the door, it was just like this flood of this is, this is about her and like, you want to do this. You want to, she's asked, it was such an honor that she, cause she could have, 
she could have turned to me and said, you know, you don't have to stay. Right. But she took the very opposite approach, like when the hospice nurse was um, trying to show us how to, you know, take her vitals and stuff. She's like looking at me like you front and center, like you're you're the one. This yeah. is like your this is what I need you to do. Do you think you responded better to this? Because like to me, just based on your personality and knowing you, I almost feel like you'd respond better to that uh because it's so matter of fact of just being like, I, I need you here. And you're like, oh, yeah, of course, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, I think um, if it was like, oh, you don't have to be here, you know, if she would have been more just wishy-washy or, you know, if, if she wouldn't have communicated to me in that way that, like, I want you to stay um I don't know. I might have struggled with like, well, do, should I leave? Like, should I stay? Yeah. But when it's like, no, I, I need you to be here, and especially if it's somebody that that is that important. Um, and it it wasn't just me at that point. My dad and my uncle were also there, sure. which, um, you know, they were huge. Like, there was no way I could have handled that whole thing alone. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I was. I was scared prior to that, that like, cause when she went septic and I basically like had a carrier to the bathroom, it was like, oh, I'm not like, I can't, yeah. this is like going into a, a, a realm that I'm not equipped to deal with. Right. Now, not, not for nothing. You are at one point you were being, going to school to be a nurse. Yes. So you have some sort of training. Not really, though, okay. because so it didn't last long. No. And what I learned, which, you know, I love the reason one of the reasons I love my job now is that I am very fascinated by medicine. Sure. Now you just um, do coding, right? Yes. Okay. But I had a real problem with like the hands on sure. piece of it, you know, the personal piece. And I think, you know, everybody knows like nurses that takes like such a special yeah. specific kind of person and I'm not right. well, that's nurses not me. are incredible yeah. <laughs> yeah so um no I wasn't really prepared to handle um an elderly ill person right that needed you literally for everything yeah and I I assumed when I initially went out there that like if it got to that point, like we would call in reinforcements in the form of like a home nurse or something. Right. Yeah. My role was more going to be like, you know, taking her to doctor's appointments and taking care of the house because she and I, she told my family that there were only two people that she would allow to live in the home with her. And I was one of them because we are both extremely particular about our <laughs> environments. Right. And she knows that I'm I'm just as picky. Yeah. So, yeah, that was sort of my mindset going into it is like I'm going to I'm going to step in and be Grammy in all of those, you know, day-to-day -day, yeah. like functions um where she's maybe, you know, too tired or run down to do those things. So, like, then having to help someone die. Right. You know, you go from, I'm just there to, like, be a, an assistive, you know, support to, like, oh, shit, just got really real. Yeah. Was there a... So, you said the septus had cleared up. 
Yeah. Was there a point then where like that came back dread return where it was like, okay, now we're in, in, in the end game of this, if you will. Well, I knew that, um, so it was sort of a blessing that I got there when I did because I could see what was going to happen with like when the sepsis came back and took over her body, I knew she wasn't going to remember anything Right. because when she went through it the first time and came home, I said, Hey, do you remember when we watched, you know, we watched the good place and we watched this other thing. She's like, no, I have absolutely no memory. And so I knew that like, okay, when this, you know, comes back, she's not going to know. Right. Um, and I, I do feel like that was probably better. Yeah. So how, so you'd been there for a few days when that all happens, Mm -hmm. but then, uh, cause she didn't, didn't just pass away immediately. No, it was about a week. Yeah. So, um, there were a couple days where, you know, my brother and his wife and kids came out. And, you know, when she was still coherent and the infection hadn't taken over again, she was on the phone with a ton of people. Um, It was just like tying up loose ends where she could. And I should mention, we were at like, I mean, literally the day that I got there or the day after, the whole world shut down. Oh, right from the pandemic. From COVID. Right. And I think she knew because she just wanted to get the hell out of that hospital. Yeah. Because it was like she was a nurse. She had been a nurse. Um, And so she knew what, you know, what everything, how everything, she knew the drill. Um, And I think, I don't know, maybe she didn't know what it would have been like to die in the hospital. But I feel like on some level she had to know because none of us would have been able to be there. She, right. There is a very good chance that she might have died alone had yeah. she said, I'm out of here, you know. Right. So, um, I'm sorry, what did you ask? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was just curious the timeline uh, because also... Oh, she passed after about a week. Yeah, because yeah. you then, uh, you didn't come home until just like in the last... Was this, has it been even a year yet? You've been yeah, it was a year in April. Okay, so you so you spent two years out there. Yeah. Uh, after she had passed away, uh, just kind of building the Iowa life. <laughs> <laughs> now, how did that go? Um, well, I guess I thought very. Uh, I had this very fleeting thought that maybe I could stay in Tipton, Iowa, which is a, it's, it's the county seat, Cedar <laughs> County. It's kind of a big deal, oh, yeah. but it's not at all a big deal. Like sure. it's a small farming town and, um, I don't know. It just, I just didn't, I'm not sure exactly when it sunk in that, like, I don't think I was really thinking about that. Cause I was just trying so hard to find a job, you know, because after my grandma passed away, uh, my family had to sell their house. And so then I was scrambling to find a job. I mean, I was applying all over the country because the priority for me was like, I have to support myself. Right. You know, I have to find a job. And um, so I ended up getting a job in Cedar Rapids. 
and it was just like I just have to go where the tide is taking me um, and just do you feel very free flowing about that time where it was just like kind of wherever like truly not being neurotic or tied down or trying to do something just kind of being like all right there's a pole here or there's a job here like all right let's see what happens if I follow that I was not that nonchalant. I was going to say, I was no, in as line. I was saying, I was like, there's no way in hell Katie was this nonchalant. But like what I said, but like as neurotic as possible. It was like emergency <laughs> mode. It was like, oh my God. Like, I mean, and I had to find a place to live during COVID and after the either first or second worst natural disaster in Eastern Iowa history had just occurred in that area. What was that? So in the summer of 2020, there was this thing that happened called a derecho. Derecho? A derecho. And it's hilarious because everybody in Iowa pronounced it differently. (laughs) I worked with this woman who called it a derecho. (laughs) Nobody could figure out, like, how are we supposed to say this? But I think it's derecho. And... A derecho, I had never heard of this before. It's akin to a tornado, but it's like blunt force winds or straight force winds that can be even more damaging than a tornado. And yeah, so the city of Cedar Rapids especially was just like, I mean, these massive trees just uprooted all over the place. It was a total disaster area. I saw silos just flattened, just flat on the ground. Um, I'm terrified of weather in general. Yeah. So like, I don't, I don't like that. Yeah. (laughs) I was, I was at my grandma's house when it happened and I remember going to look out the window and I could feel like the house was shaking. Yeah. That's too much. Yeah. It was, uh, it was intense. So as I'm looking for a place to live, you know, there were tons of people that their homes were destroyed. Yeah. So like everybody's looking and it was just like nothing short of a miracle that I, I found a job and I found a place to live, you know, when I needed to. What was the, so, cause like so you stayed out there for two years uh, and you kind of went out there with the intention of maybe staying uh, for as long as you needed to. For my grandma, but yeah. Yes, with that gone and still staying two years, what was the catalyst for wanting to come back, quote unquote, home then? Well, I think I had this very naive, idea that I could be like my grandma and live in two places at once (laughs) because for years um, they kept their farm property in Illinois while also living in Iowa and you know my grandma had a bedroom at our farmhouse and she was they were back all the time right she still had a lot of friends here family Um, but you know, their business, the farm was in Iowa where she was also, this woman had so many friends. It was ridiculous. (laughs) She was an Aquarius. So like very, (laughs) I like how you throw that in there. Like here's the explanation. She's an Aquarius. She was an Aquarius, (laughs) very, um, community oriented, very, you know, just motivated by, connecting with people and helping people and um so i thought 
well, I can be like my grandma and, you uh, know. Except that you are not an Aquarius. I am not an Aquarius. <laughs> I am a home-loving cancer. That is true. I need my shell. I need my space. And it, it, it became obvious very quickly that, like, no, there's not, there's no way that you're going to pull that off to have one foot in each state. Right. So... You know, I gave it a go in Cedar Rapids. I worked in an office. I was on site and I, you know, I met some good people there, but they just weren't like my people. Right. You know, I felt like I couldn't really be fully be myself. You know, there was just no one that I was really, um, really connecting with. Although there is one person that I still I think we're birthday twins, she and I, or we're a day apart. Oh. Um, and I feel like this happens a lot at jobs. Like, you can be at a job for, like, years working with somebody and, like, the friendship doesn't start to blossom until, like... Yeah. I have a friend from another job where it was like, my God, we must have... Our cubicles were right next to each other for, like, two and a half years. And then finally, one day we had lunch together, and she's like one of my favorite people. In the that's world. what it is. Like you need some sort of like forced path crossing to deal with them to see if it's actually like fits in. Yeah, but why? I mean, there's so many people that I've met, you know, um, just at parties or like through friends or whatever, and it's like an immediate, you know, kinship or spark or connection. Sure, but you, at a party. Yeah, I guess it's a totally different vibe. Are your inhibitions <laughs> lowered from some sort of substance? Yeah. It's easier, right? It's easier, right? But there have been a, a handful of times uh, over the ever since I quit drinking that it's like, man, I just really feel a connection to that person. Yeah. So I want to get to that in a moment. But so then you come back home after a couple of years. And now you've been home for the last year. Yes. So what does this last year look like uh, versus the city versus Iowa? Do you feel home oh, God. in the space? You know, what's so crazy is, you know, I've been through a lot of ups and downs the past two years. Sure. Um, and there have been, I feel like I said this to somebody recently, that like, there are times when I feel living here like I am still living in Iowa because if I don't make an effort to get out and see people, yeah. It's the same. And I think that's what's interesting, too, is like you think the distance is the thing, but it's not the distance. It's what are you willing to put in and where are they willing to meet you and where are yeah. you willing to meet them like to maintain a friendship because it's not just a given and we're not partying like when if we're 20. Right. Or everybody just shows up. Like yeah. it's work now and sometimes it's easy and you love that work and sometimes it's a struggle and you, you, know, you don't want to be seen. Yeah. I mean... I would say, at least on one level, I felt more connection when I was in Iowa because um, one of my close friends who, you know, we, unfortunately, the friendship is no longer a thing, he and I talked almost every day. Yeah. And I think the pandemic had something to do with that, too, because he was very, um, very cooped up and feeling very anxious about his future. Um, and so I'm sure that fueled some of the connection, but like, I mean, I felt so close to him and we were, you know, four hours apart. Yeah. So 
it really, the distance really isn't, it's not the thing that makes or breaks friendships, I feel. You know, it, there are other ways of connecting um, regularly and, you know, you can live next door to somebody and if you're not, if you're not on the same page with like how much you want to interact with each other, it's just not, it's not going to be fulfilling. Right. Absolutely. So going back to what you just said about being sober, uh, what year did you start like where you were like, this is, I'm, I'm done with this. I need to be sober now. I'm counting on my fingers because I always get confused. Um, it was it was January of 2018, okay. but I feel like the day was either the 17th or the 18th. I'm like, could it be 118? 18? 18? Yeah. That just seems too too many 18s. <laughs> All two of them. Yeah, All that two. Is too many. That's too many. <laughs> um, but no, it was January of 2018. Um, was so, that, that so it. when you moved to Chicago then in 2016, you were still drinking. Yes. Uh, was there a particular point or was it a retrospect in general where you were like, this is a problem? I mean, I knew it was a problem for a really long time. Like, um, I'm trying to think of like when I, <laughs> there was an incident. I rem I'll always remember this day. It was when I still lived here in Oswego, um, still, you know, hanging out with the old group that I used to have. And we were over at somebody's house and, you know, it was like four or five of us sitting out in this friend's yard and summer day. And um, we're talking about, I wanted to go canoeing on the Fox River. Right. And I was getting very excited about this and and then our friends start talking about like bringing all this beer. <laughs> and I was like, no, you guys, like, can't we just, why do we have to drink and yeah. do this? Can't we just like, no, I don't want beer in my canoe. And this storm, like the sky is opened up. <laughs> this like most ominous look, I don't know if this was an omen or what, but like this black ominous, cloud just comes rolling in the winds pick up like we are running for cover <laughs> and the joke was that like i was the storm bringer like yeah. no beer in my canoe <laughs> um but i remember back then being frustrated that like it was so it was just like such a part of life just yeah. everything we did it was it was always there um, but I also just could not imagine my life without it. Right. It was like a person to well, me. Well, I figured it had been, what, pretty near 20 years. I drank, um, for, I want to say like 24 years. Yeah. And Problem, it, it, it abusively. Wasn't even, right. I would say like, cause you know, uh, I was there for part of it as well. It wasn't necessarily just like casually drinking. No. This was like. 
binge drinking every time. Every right. time. Yeah. Yep. Can't shut it off. We're yeah. going till the sun comes up. We're not going to work tomorrow. Yeah. We don't care. Like we sleep where we fall. <laughs> Just yeah. Yeah, that was life, and that that was a huge part of my identity. I think. I'm so happy we made it out alive. <laughs> Jesus. Like we had fun. Oh my God. It's the weirdest but thing. But I'm no, so glad it's over. I've said that to you before. Like, yeah. I am so grateful for my wild youth, but God damn it, I would not go back. Yeah. What, like, do you, I, I got to think too, and then taking the, you know, becoming sober uh, and kind of then being out of your element also because you're not isolated, but you're in the city where it's busier, you're mm-hmm. so focused on work. Uh, it probably feels somewhat easier because you just have something else to focus on, or was that harder to stay sober? Because you were also living some with somebody at that time that drinking. was kind of going through the same thing. Yeah. Uh, not there where they're ready to get sober, like still right. struggling, but like wanting to hopefully do better eventually. I mean, I think that my my determination, because he had a lot to do with with me calling it quits ultimately, Um, not just because of the havoc that drinking caused our relationship, um, but because of what I did to him. Um, The last night I drank, you know, I got physical and I could have really, really injured him. Um, Was that a pretty big wake up call? Like, it's not like, cause we're used to cheeky fun. No. That's just too much fun. This was like, this was, this is not cool. This was like, I don't know who I have become. Right. Like I'm a fucking monster yeah. in this moment. Um, and for me, it was like picking up another drink. I might as well just spit in his face. Yeah. You know, it was just. And I get emotional about it because it was just like, yeah. if you can imagine like the the worst possible thing and also it being like the best possible thing. Right. But it's still a lot of guilt that, um, that I did that and I can't, I can't ever take that back. Yeah. I can't ever... You know, he'll, he'll always have that memory and I, you know, I hope to God that that he is, that he's loving his life, you know, that he's not fixating on that and that I didn't do any permanent damage. And I think that's part of why losing the friendship was um, such a blow. Yeah, because (laughs) when we had the friendship and we got through that, that horrific, all of the, all of the horrible things that happened between us, it was like, it's okay. Like all of that is in the past. It's forgiven. Yeah. But then when the friendship ultimately um, broke down, it was like all that guilt came back. Um, and that's, you know, I've, I've struggled with that the last two years. Um, but it's, it was such a blessing because, and I, and I believe that he and I had a soul contract as well. Yeah. Because without him, there's no way there's no way that I could have that I that I could have decided like no this absolutely has to go right so that was like the first thing um and then 
I found a resource in the form of a podcast um, that had a guest who was, you know, she was newly sober and starting to write about her experience. And they said something in this podcast about how, I don't know what exactly they said, but it was just like a light bulb went off and it was like, I had this visual of myself just hanging up a pair of boxing gloves. Yeah. Like, this is the only way you win. Yeah. This is the (laughs) only fucking way. Right. And as soon as like that solidified in my head, it was like, oh, I, (laughs) it's just fucking logic at this point. Right. You know, there's no, I can't argue that. So your question was, was it hard um, to be sober living in that city, in that situation? I think, you know, because of the severity of like that final straw. Yeah. Um, that really helped me to like stay the course and also he was still, um, in addiction. And so there was a lot of stress and anxiety around, like, I, I think I was focused a lot of my energy on, is he going to come home drunk and how am I going to handle that deal with that like what is the next just waiting for the shoe to drop constantly yeah um but i will say that about eight months into being sober so i think he got sober maybe this was 11 months the thing i was gonna refer to but i think he then got sober nine months after i did And then at like my 11 month mark, I had what I would call a mental relapse where for the first time I really, really wanted to drink. Oh. Like bad. Right. Um, And I. But did you? No. But you just like, like that strong pull. Like, like if he wouldn't have been, because at that point, you know, he got sober, we broke up um, and we really started, I mean. The majority of our relationship was just a friendship. Sure. Um, But, you know, we really became even closer after we both got sober. And I loved coming home after work every night and we would just sit in the living room and talk. And I feel like if he hadn't have been there, I would have run out the back door to the 7-Eleven and bought whatever I could find. Yeah. Um, but it was the fact that, you know, I have like reality in the form of this person sitting there sort of like tethering me to like just the reality of, of no, you can't, you can't do that. Uh, uh, uh. Like what? Um, but no, I think I got triggered because we were going into the first holiday season since I had quit drinking and, um, There's just so many things when it comes to, I mean, I can only speak for where like alcohol is concerned because I've not, you know, done, I've not been addicted to anything else, but, um, you know, like so many memories tied to where you, you link alcohol to so many different 
events yeah. and like when people bring up and... things too it's like remember that time we were drunk doing this <laughs> yeah and it's like oh fuck's sake <laughs> but i just i don't know something about that drive home from work that day it was everything it was it was the holiday lights it was the way the air smelled it was the fact that i was about to have a break from work and it was just like you want to drink like it just like this is when you this is celebration time and Ooh, that's what you yeah. do when you See, celebrate that's interesting because that's like that's how i feel about a sugar addiction oh. is like when you're having a shit day mm-hmm. uh let me gorge on sugar oh or see. then when you're like oh when i'm having the best time or something good happens yeah let's also gorge on sugar <laughs> i was less um to me drinking was more celebratory yeah and it was it was always so ceremonious i feel like the ceremony of drinking was was almost as big a part of it as the drinking itself right the getting excited and thinking about it and you know the anticipation of it yeah is just it's huge you know i think people who are addicted spend so much time thinking about the next drink or whatever it is and like that's part it's it's sort of like a relationship where they (laughs) this is Makes me cringe to say, but like (laughs) sex starts, you know, the morning before the act because it's the buildup. Sure. Right. You know, and it was the same. Anticipation. Yes. It, it was the same thing with drinking. Yeah. Now I don't want to get into a bunch of particulates and stories just because we'll be here forever. Mm. But while we always try to have a fun, cheeky time. Yeah. There was some horrible things to like, you knocked your teeth out at some point. I didn't. I was just telling uh, two of our friends the story when I scorpioned myself. <laughs> you and Jason were out in the boat and you yeah. saw it happen from a distance and you're like, oh. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, Kate, Katie. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I didn't. I, I fell on my teeth. Yeah. Miraculously, they did, did not get knocked out. out. But I mean, my knees were bloodied. I had. One of our friends described my mangled big toe as a horror movie. Your toe is a horror movie. (laughs) Um, I mean, I don't think that I ever did anything major, but I mean... I think that was the the only time we were, like, worried. That that was a major Yeah, and that realistically, that could happen to any asshole. Any one of us could have tripped over and been like, oh, and ate shit. (laughs) But the fact that it was Katie was like... Of course. Yeah, it, it it tracks. Yeah, no, I I'm accident prone. I feel as it is. Now you're um, not quite Walsh level, but like oh jeez, the lasers. <laughs> this laser. <laughs> this laser. Um, although I feel like one of my cousins might have taken a couple tumbles. Yeah. Oh my God. Speaking of cousins, we literally just had lunch, <laughs> <laughs> and. The, the waitress. It's like my fourth cousin. Yeah, she sees Katie's uh, debit card and is like, oh, your last name's Leezer? Like, that's my so last name. So is mine. And then Katie, of course, is like, oh, we're probably related and goes down the genealogy <laughs> to find her grandpa. And yeah, they're like fourth cousins. And then I went on and on about a bunch of shit. I feel like she was glassing over. Yeah, she's like, what, 20 maybe? I have no idea. Yeah. 
Poor kid. Yeah, uh, just insane. But the, she was adorable. She was adorable. And the clan laser continues to it grow. It does. The clan laser. <laughs> we still don't have the animal picked out that will go on the, the family crest. <laughs> uh, so now, you know, you've been living the sober life. You're back at home. How is life different now uh, as far as trying to maintain friendships, uh, self-care, keeping yourself sane, but also like trying to get out there? Because the, the, the alcohol is still out there, right? Like mm-hmm. usually when people are hanging out, it's, it's not like a focus like it might have been in the past, but it's still like the, the crux of what's happening. Yeah. I mean, I've only been to a handful of gatherings which which already is way different so yeah. you went back for a year and I, th- I feel like you've been to like three or four things yeah um i mean i think part of that is that those opportunities just aren't there as much because we're older you know a lot of us have kids or I yeah. mean, even our friends that have pets, it's like right. they can't just come gotta, and go. Gotta go and let please. the dog out. Like, that's a real right. thing. <laughs> um, so, like, there's not as many opportunities, um, which I think is part of it. But, like, something that I really became aware of after I stopped drinking is my needs. I, I mean, I think when I was drinking, it was largely to not be in my body at all. Um, so I was very out of touch with my body and my what my needs are, you know, my needs for rest and my needs yeah. for, you know, just a certain yeah. kind of environment. And you were definitely out of, like I remember, because we used to stay up and just talk and drink all night. And then like you would, your hangover oh, would always be at least two days. And it got to the point at the end where I wasn't sleeping. Yeah. So if I drank on a Saturday, I wouldn't sleep again until like Wednesday. Right. But you would not leave bed for two days after drinking. But at the end, I had to go to work and I had to function and push through that. And I just, I wanted to die. Like I really, I had some really dark thoughts um, just because of like the hell that I was putting myself through because I didn't feel like I could give it up. Yeah. But do you think it becomes uh, almost a, a part of your identity? Oh yeah. I said that before it was yeah. totally, um, you know, I, I think, cause let's be honest. Who didn't love drunk Katie? I adored her. I mean, I adored Katie in general, but yeah, (laughs) drunk Katie was so fun. I'm glad she's gone. There were a few that got to see the dark side of it. Yeah. And I think you did get some glimpses from time to time. Yeah, because we would live together and we had a lot of amazing conversations till like eight in the morning. Right. And then it was like, should we get ready for work or should we go to bed? (laughs) God. But, um... But I think I really attached myself to, like, people have this expectation mm-hmm. that if I'm going to be somewhere, right. I'm going to be drinking. I have to be this person. And I'm not going to disappoint. Right. Well, Whether, for, I, and I have a very smaller version of that just because that became Jason and I. Yeah. Where it was like, you <laughs> yeah, expect. But you guys were like, <laughs> oh, fuck, here they come. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yeah, we're a two-man wrecking crew. 
Yep. But people Here expected us together and they expected it to be over the top and ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel like for me, whether it was um, not always being over the top and ridiculous, not always falling down and making an <laughs> ass of myself, which there was that. Yeah. But I, I even started to feel like, because I think it's very true that... Um, like the way you make people feel is what they're going to remember. Right. And I always felt like my superpower when I was drinking was that I could talk to anyone. Yeah. And not only that, I could make them smile. Right. And have a good time. And, you know, just it was super easy for me. And I, th I think part of it was self-serving because I loved to hear the words Oh my God, I love her. Yeah. Oh my God, I love her so much. She's the best. Yeah. So there was definitely the ego boost in there. But just like, I think giving up drinking, I had to face this fear of like, am I going to be able to reach out to people like that still? Yeah. It's almost like an insecurity too of being like, this is actually just me now. Yeah. And like, is that as lovable or likable is anybody going to still want to talk to me? Like, because are they going to embrace me? When I was drinking, you know, because I, I do have anxiety. Right. And there, I'm, you know, there is a level of social anxiety. But when I drank, like, none of that was there to get in the way. Yeah. It wasn't there to stand between me and whoever was in front of me. And I think that's something that I've had to deal with now is like you know maybe i in some cases i am more reserved not with you like <laughs> you the people i'm really close to um yeah. they would say like well you're the same as you've always been but yeah. when it comes to those people i'm not as close with or somebody new sure i feel like you know i never even would question do i want to do I want to engage with this person? Yeah. I was just, well, of course I want to engage with everybody. Right. I think you that's know? what I felt lucky at the time is to be able, because we lived together, we were roommates. It was, I got to see both like sober and drunk. Yeah. So I could be like, oh, Katie's just as amazing sober as she is drunk. And, I, and I'm like, I, I hope one day she sees that. Aw. <laughs> yeah, it's been... I don't know. I think everybody has their insecurities and like their self-doubt and drinking definitely it separates you from those things. I mean, it also separates you from self-awareness. Right. You know, like truly knowing who you are and how you feel and what you like or don't like. But um, yeah, I think that's just been... That was hard to have, like, the confidence that, oh, I am just as likable, yeah. you know. And I think a lot of people who drink would probably relate to that. Yeah. You know, like, it's it's the social lubricant. Like, right. everybody feels a little bit better at socializing, I think. Yeah. Not everybody, but, sure, but the majority I, of the people. I got to think that's why there's probably a high success rate with something like uh, an AA or something where it's like group based. So you kind of have somebody, you uh, you know, a partner. Like you had said to, uh, you know, uh, your ex was, 
you guys were eventually once he became sober too you guys were kind of able to face that thing together yeah i gotta think that that's helpful because you didn't go to meetings no uh and you kind of did this literally like amazingly when you made your decision and maybe because of the severity of that for you particularly it was easy to kind of cold turkey that yeah i think yeah the severity of it was definitely what made me stick to it um but i i do think to go back to earlier in the conversation i did know for a lot of years that like this is just hurting you yeah you know and i i wished that there was a way I was just talking to two of our friends about this, and this is something one of the the women who I followed when I was getting sober, this was how she put it, there's no third door. Like, so many people with addiction, or not even addiction, you know, that are just stuck in some kind of conflict where they have to make a choice, they're looking for the third door because... For me, door number one was keep drinking, which I didn't want to do. Yeah. Door number two was quit entirely, which I didn't want to do. Right. Door number three would have been, okay, there's got to be a way for me to keep this in my life yeah. and manage it. Sure. But that door just doesn't exist in a lot of situations. There's right. just no like compromise. It's got to be one thing or the other. Yeah. And I lost my train of thought again. How did we get to that? <laughs> well, the beauty of conversation is it's spider webs all around. It does. Uh, the The good news is that you know you look great. You're feeling great. Thank you. And that's I awesome. Feeling great. What I want to talk about now is throughout this whole conversation, there's something in your hand. Ah, yes. What is that? It is a smoky quartz. Uh, now, I'm not going to lie. That I already knew. Thank okay. you very much. <laughs> but for the listeners out there. Yeah. For our ama- massive audience. Yeah. That this might not even be recording. <laughs> I will murder you. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll see. <laughs> oh, my God. It might just be a good practice in conversation. That's true. Uh, what do you uh, tell me about this smoky quartz? So um, this is a crystal, which I have many of. Um, this one in particular I like because it's associated with the sign of Virgo, which is my ascendant or rising sign. Um, I love my Virgo because it's an earth sign so my sun sign is cancer which is water which um cancers are notorious for being emotional yeah um earth signs on the other hand are a lot more grounded yeah Um, i'm an earth sign rising also oh interesting what is your taurus oh nice yeah love taurus energy Um, (laughs) you're welcome thank you yeah no i credit (laughs) this past taurus season with really helping me prioritize my body and starting to finally, after four months of laying on this couch, um, (laughs) finally getting back into yoga and walking and just, you know, I, I just love that, that grounding energy. So kind of tied to the crystal, uh, in general is, uh, recently, not recently, but you kind of over the last extended period of time taking a deeper dive into astrology yes where does that come from 
I don't know. I guess I can credit like beauty magazines <laughs> because when I was, you know, in junior high, like that's the age when girls start reading like fashion magazines and there was always a horoscope section. Sure. Did you make those things? We made those things. What are those called? But they weren't to do with horoscope. They, they were like were fortune like, tellers. Yeah, it was a fortune teller. <laughs> yeah, it was like, who are you going to marry? Where yeah. are you going to live? Pick a number, say a you're color. You're going to be rich. You're going to be poor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that all panned out. You're going to marry one of the Corys. <laughs> now I just dated myself. You did. It's embarrassing. I love straddling the line between um, Gen X <laughs> and, and, and millennial. millennial. Oh, I yeah. I think it's a zennial, isn't, isn't that uh, the, the older, Yeah, it? an, an Elder millennial is called a zennial. They they kind of yeah. have like a subcategory. Because you love were what? That. Are you seventy nine? Yeah. Yeah, because I'm eighty three. I'm a millennial, and I think the cutoff was eighty. So like, I mean, you're you're there. Yeah. But, I just but, I do love that your Gen X tendencies. Yeah. And then your millennial tendencies. It is. It's like I don't know. It's like it's very Gemini. <laughs> I love I how simple your answers all, are. All of oh, it. that's because she's an Aquarius. Yeah, that's because. <laughs> um, no, I really think it started with those magazines and just being so Teen like. Beat. Oh, yeah, I don't. That's know. where the Corys would have been. We read a lot of Marie Claire. Oh, that was like classy. my era. Um, yeah, a lot of Marie Claire, and so it really started there with like. I think the reason I love it so much is because it's very self-reflective. It's not just the idea of like telling the future, like, you know, the unknown. It's, you know, astrology is a tool that we can use to better understand ourselves and what's going on in the world. Sure. Now, yeah, because you already know I have an amazing uh, crystal collection and love astrology. Yes. Uh, but I, I have a harder time with horoscope. Yeah, I don't read. And I do differentiate those two like very staunchly and be like, Ugh. Yeah, I I am more focused on I'm not um, I don't want to piss at anybody's Cheerios, but like I No, I don't put really any stock in in yeah. a horoscope. What I look at more, what I've been interested in more is um planetary yeah and that's kind of transit that was the appeal to me also is to kind of like get an interesting perspective of self through the physical world like what yeah. already exists out here mm-hmm. and how everything that exists outside of you affects what and who you are because realistically what and who you are is how you're reacting to what's around you right yeah and you're and i don't differentiate myself like from that like i don't um, it's not like human being and the rest of the world. Like to me, we're still part of one, one consciousness and, and one existence. For sure. Yeah, but uh, you know, a lot of people don't want to hear that. <laughs> no. So let's talk more about it. Okay. So your rising sign is Virgo. You said yes. Mm. That is responsible for all the. I don't know if we've addressed the. Well, with my grandma, the particularities. Yeah. And I'm so curious. I wish I knew. I mean, I'm sure I could get my hands on a birth certificate and find out um, the birth time and everything. But I'm super curious to know what her rising sign was. Yeah. I'm always curious. Like, whenever I get somebody's sign, I always want their rising sign. Because that's like, that's what I actually need. that's (laughs) That's how you present to the world. How do you find a rising sign? 
So you have to know um, the time, the exact time, uh, the date of your birth, and the zip code or time zone, I think it is. Right. Yeah. Because? Because it that is going to narrow down where all of the planets were positioned at the moment of your birth. And based on where the Earth is in relation to the sun, because it every every two hours it shifts into another... Uh, in a daily rotation, every two hours it goes into another sign because of the way the world rotates. Not every two hours. Roughly. 24 hours, 12, there's 12 signs. Well, I guess the moon but stays also, in a sign for sure, like two it, to three days. But that's not. That's why the rising sign is every two hours because it's only the, the Earth. Oh, the rising sign changes every two hours? Yeah, on oh, a 24-hour wow. scale, yeah. Okay, interesting. I didn't that's why that it's like, this is where were you on the planet and mm-hmm. what time were you on the planet mm-hmm. uh, will give you your ascendant. And ascendant and rising are interchangeable. Right, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I credit that with, you know, I love to make lists. <laughs> Big list maker. <laughs> I loved sure. it. I got to write it. Yeah. I got to write it in a notebook. You know, I can't. It angers me because I want that. So I'm an Aries and then a rising Taurus. Mm-hmm. So I've got the grounded, uh, stubborn, organizational Taurus mm-hmm. with this free-forming Aries dickhead who's just like, we'll figure it out as we go. Just let it go. <laughs> just, yeah. yeah. And so mostly I just spend my time hating myself as much as possible. No, I feel like you just have to embrace, you know, maybe one day you are a little bit more organized and another day you're just like, let's just scrap the plan, you know? Yeah. So, well, and I'm, as I get older too, I'm starting to like, I basically consider myself two separate people. I'm like, <laughs> all right, we'll let Taurus guy handle that today. <laughs> and then Aries guy can handle later. That's not a bad idea because <laughs> it's like, it helps you remember that you aren't just one thing. Right. And you know, play to your nobody strengths. is nobody is one dimensional. Like we can because sometimes I'm like, I'm not emotional. Come on, whatever. Like <laughs> I hate that side of me. I don't wanna I don't wanna indulge that. I yeah. don't wanna like I don't wanna I don't value that. I value, you know, having everything be very structured and very like just so. Yeah. But then it's like something will happen where I can tap into that emotional side and use my, I mean, cancer is hugely intuitive. And it's like, I would never want to get rid of that part of myself. So it's like... I love the idea of calling you and you being like, I'm not cancering today, so nothing emotional. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Cancer has left the building. (laughs) I'm only Virgoing for now. Yes, we are Virgoing in this moment. (laughs) If you don't have a plan and a list, you need to... Get out. <laughs> and I like that about myself because, you know, I feel like I'm not just aimless and it helps me to be productive and get things done. And, yeah. you know, I value that. So do you feel at least for me, I feel too like with the exploring and kind of the education of looking into that, it all, it helps you kind of live that symbiotic lifestyle where those two things can come together because uh, I feel like a lot of times you can feel like you're being pulled and most people would never look at that. And I'm not saying that's your be-all, end-all answer, but it's nice to have the education and to look into it and kind of be like, oh, well, this kind of makes sense to an extent. You mean as far as like I can look at my reactions to things? Yeah, well, because like, you yeah. know that you're an emotional cancer 
<laughs> that sounded odd, but you're an emotional person with the sign of cancer. Right. <laughs> Not an you're emotional a cancer. Ca- you're an emotional cancer on this world. <laughs> <laughs> but then also like the the structured version of, of, of Virgo as well. And since you can understand both, it kind of helps you live a more, uh, what's the word, uh, balanced life. Yeah, totally. I mean, if I was all one or the other, shit wouldn't, I mean, shit might get done. But, like, everybody would hate me because (laughs) I'd just be like, although I feel that's more Capricorn. (laughs) Like, we're just going to bulldoze our way through. We'll deal with everybody else after. (laughs) Yeah. But, but, I mean, and these two signs are not the end-all, be-all. There is also your moon sign. At every planet. And every planet, which I I don't fully understand. That's always made me laugh when somebody's like, oh, I'm "I'm a Scorpio, but like I have no Scorpio. And I'm like, well, what about this? What about your moon? What about your rising sign? What about every other planet? And they're like, (laughs) you can see like their eyes glaze over it. And they're like, what? Those are things. Like, we don't have to talk about it. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm still trying to wrap my head around what the moon sign means have you ever done a full chart i have my chart in my phone i reference it all the time did you like do use an app or something or did you go and have somebody do your chart no i used cafe astrology okay um i would love to have my chart read there's an astrologer that i follow her name is maddie murphy she does um i think the podcast is called the cosmic rx and every week she does a podcast to talk about like You know, um, where is the moon going to be every day this week? What planetary, you know, major planetary transits are occurring? She does an awesome segment called If Astrology Isn't Real, where she connects um, events that are happening around us to astrological events. Um, She has a wait list um to work with people in a variety of ways she's very into like um helping people build their businesses um from a standpoint of like you know this is this this is what the planets are going to be doing so maybe like this is the best time to launch you know this new thing or whatever um so she works with people in that way but she'll also do um you know a birth chart like interpretation and so i'd love to do not only that but also i've you know come across offerings for classes on how to read birth charts yeah and i would love to do that it's just a matter of like committing to it you know um but yeah there's there's still a lot that i'm trying to learn about it understand um, I, I do credit my Sagittarius moon, though, for becoming a completely different person when I'm on vacation. Really? It's the weirdest shit. When you're on vacation. When I'm on vacation, it is like all, you know, cares are just tossed to the wind. Yeah. Like, we don't need a list. We don't need a plan. You know, you're the, on last, vacation. the <laughs> last time I traveled somewhere... Our flight back got delayed, I don't know, like eight hours. And then we're sitting on the runway for like two hours. And I was just like, meh. Yeah. What am I going to do? Right. It's out of your control. Just going with it. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like the adventurous side is maybe 
you know, sort of a Sagittarius quality, just sort of, you know, uh, prioritizing being adventurous over being in control and structured. Yeah. So still learning about it, though. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I love that stuff, too. What do you suppose is next? Next? Yeah. In life? Sure. You know, it's odd because since probably 2015, I've always had the next step yes. in mind. Like, like rigid. This is happening. Yeah. This is the next thing. And I'm finally in a place like this, getting back here, getting into this, like this condo. Right. Having the job that I have right now, like these were the goals. And now that I'm here, I don't really have uh, a game plan for the next thing. I think I had some thoughts and the last eclipse season just blew up everything. It just obliterated everything. <laughs> it just tore me down. It it stripped away. I just love your idea where it's like, what happened to your life? And you're like, eclipse season. Eclipse season, <laughs> mofo. <Ruined> <laughs> yeah, it was just a... It just took, I, and I don't know, I can't really explain it, but whatever was going on in the heavens, you know, something just sort of triggered me to, I had a meltdown and everything just sort of went away, um, which was, which, which didn't feel good. You know, it was, um, it was sort of dark. It was very fuck it all. You know, I don't care. I'm not going to try. Like, I'm done. It was very, I'm done. Um, But I was reading a lot about, now the words are kind of escaping me, but just sometimes everything needs to be dismantled and broken down and cleared out because maybe there's some new... But to make space for what's coming. Yeah, and you don't necessarily need to know. Because right. I've always been... There's something almost cleansing about that breakdown. Yeah, it really is. It's, it's, and, and in the moment, I, I was you know, angry about it and sort of like out of spite. Like, I'm, just, I'm not even going to try. I'm not even going to think of anything you know, or want anything or hope for anything. But it was like while I was busy being pissed off about it, it's like, no, this might actually be like a gift. Right. That your, all of your aspirations, you know, if you want to call it that, are being cleared out because that's making space for things that maybe you didn't even know you wanted to come through. And that's a shift for me because, I mean, you could say I'm controlling. Aren't we all to an extent like, yeah. somewhere in life? But I mean... But I, also, to clarify, I, that's for you, because you're not controlling, I don't feel like, to people. I But with my own... But with your... Unless somebody, like, lived with you to where they were doing stuff the opposite of the way you would do it. Yeah. 
then it'll be then it can't confirm then it's a fight right but otherwise you're really like you just want to have control over your little scope of existence right but i and i will say too though that i do think that manifesting is sort of working backwards like when i have manifested things into my life it's because i was so crystal clear on that end point right and what i wanted I mean, yeah. like I said, this place, the job, like, and I, I do feel like um, you need to have that to bring, you have to be able to get into the space where you are already living in that reality to bring it to life. And so it's sort of been like, you know, now that I don't have something specific I'm trying to manifest, it's like, well, then what's going to happen like if i'm not if i'm not sending out a message that like this is the thing that i want yeah I, does nothing then happen i think if you so you wake up every day with an intention whether you're aware of it or not mm. uh, i think it's that be, sort of becomes in what's your demeanor what are you putting out into the world that's what you're attracting so if if you hit that point too, where it's like I'm not manifesting at the moment, mm-hmm. but I'm so grateful for what I have. I'm so content and yeah. loving every moment. Like that's what's coming back, right? Yeah. So I feel like that's like almost the goal. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think I do have plans. They're just so short term. Yeah. It's like what it what is going to happen today versus in the past it was like huge right things i was trying to manifest but now yeah. it's like you know i'm trying to improve my fitness right you know i'm so i'm working on that i you know i want to um dedicate more time to yoga and like really creating a practice around that um i want to make time to read more you know so it's just, it's very, in the grand scheme of things, what could be considered minor, like very minute things. Yeah. But. But those are all bricks in a they foundation. They are, like exactly. Are creating a structure. Right. Those need to be there. Um, you know, so like big picture, long term, no idea. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. There's something beautiful about no idea mm-hmm. when you're clearly already in a good place and in a, in a beautiful trajectory. Yeah. So I think that that makes the most sense. Let's end it on that. Let's All end right. it on, I don't know. We'll, I don't know. We'll and we'll just wait and see. Yeah. Uh, appreciate you so much. Thank you for doing this. Hopefully it came out. We'll see. Yeah. We'll, <laughs> we'll be waiting out. to find out. We'll find out. All right. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. It means the absolute world to me. If you feel so inclined, please subscribe. Uh, that, it already meant the world to me that you listened to it. But that would be even dub- double world. I don't know, but thank you so much. We'll see you next time.